the wormhole, probably about to burn. In the white tunnel, are you ever gonna learn? See a land, probably gonna merge. Gonna be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. What's up? This is Jared with my cousin and our guest, Mike Wollert with Mike'd Up. What's up, fellas? How are you doing? Good. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Ready to uh, break down the AFC West, finish up our AFC uh, divisional preview series here. We have a really special guest, Mike, with us from his new pod, uh, Mike'd Up, and also from 4 for 4. How you doing, Mike? Doing all right. Little morning talk here. Uh, some IDP morning talk with some coffee, and uh, the, my new episode um, of Mike'd Up just went up. So uh, I break down the NFC West. So appreciate you having me, and ready to roll with the AFC West. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. Well, uh, before we get started, happy Father's Day to any guys out there who happen to be fathers. Happy Father's Day to you, Jared. I know you're a father. Are you, a Dad, Mike? I am. Two boys. Awesome. Well, happy Father's Day, buddy. Yep, my day started with uh, some socks and a um, a Deathly Hallows piece that my wife got me for Father's Day, which is really cool. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So, and now I have coffee nice. in, my, in my dad bug. <laughs> and now I get to do what I really love, talk about fantasy football and IDP. So let's just go ahead and jump into this division. Um, the Chargers, let's start there. This is a pretty IDP rich team, um, a little top heavy maybe, but they're you know if you get some of these top end guys on this team, you're looking at p- potential top five, top easily top ten for especially the D line when you're talking about Bosa, defensive backs when you're talking about Derwin James. <clears throat> but um, let's go ahead and start with the cream of the crop. Let's talk about with uh, with Joey Bosa here. Um, since 2017, 29 and a half sacks, 36 tackles for a loss. 160 combined tackles. That number kind of kind of floored me when I first saw it all together, especially considering he's missed some games. Um, and 64, 61 quarterback hits. What are your guys' thoughts on Joey Bosa? I mean, top three, top five. We'll, we'll throw it to you first, Mike, and then Jared. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I mean for, for sure, I have him in my my tier one uh, defensive line um, just because of the he just provides a consistent pressure rate. You know, you mentioned the sacks, and you know what? He's he's a multi-dimensional player, so he's not you're not just relying on on him for sacks. I mean, last season, 66 tackles, and that's an eight percent rate. Um, and he has a really solid as far as points per play. I mean, he's right around 0.2 points per snap. So um, you could you don't necessarily have to worry about going weeks without without sacks. He's still going to get you know, probably double digit points on a, on a given week because of what he does up the middle. Um, so for me, definitely top tier. Um, I've got him right, you know, with Hunter Garrett um, and his brother. So um, he's been pretty healthy over the last couple of years. So I, I'm not really concerned about injuries anymore, but, uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I have no problem with, with, uh, with Bosa this year. Nice. Nice. Jared, what are your thoughts? Top three, top five, and where would you take him uh, in the draft compared to some of the other doubt, top guys? I'm ranked number two. Yeah, very good. Um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that that hard. I think he's he's as good as they come. Um, I have him as my number two. As for the injury concern, uh, I, I'm a little against you on this one. He, you're thinking 
He only played seven games 2017. So uh, I'll stick oh, to my to my yeah. guns on the Boses tend to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 18, yeah. So in 17, he had, you know, his Pro Bowl year. And then, uh, you know, so literally just two years ago, he, he only played seven games. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't change the fact that he's still my number two guy behind Daniel Hunter um, because, I mean, 61 quarterback hits, you know, lately is pretty ridiculous. And, I mean, he have, he's pretty consistent. He's a 20 plus, 21, 21, 9, and then mm-hmm. uh, 31 last year. Uh, yeah. Now, we're not tossed for numbers like J.J. Watt had 55 one year. So, uh, but he's as good as they come when you really, really look at him. He's, he's good for double digit sacks mm-hmm. he's i mean 10 and a half 12 and a half five and a half and 11 and a half so and he gets a force fumble here and there i mean he, he got four in 2017 which is awesome and you get to really see that aspect um like i said in 2019 he's right up there he's top 10 you know in sack leaders uh i think she, i just love in the aspect that he can be all that you want him to be. And if you're a defensive line guy, which we are, we, we love the aspect of drafting them early and often before you get super into linebackers. But I like drafting big linebacker names too because they, they're they selling high guys. So, yeah. But Joey Bosa is real, man. He's my favorite. He's, he's actually my, my favorite guy uh, on the defensive line for them. Nice and, the, nice, and the good thing with Bosa is when you look probably at, in this entire division. Well, yeah, and and when you look at Bosa, especially when you look at his sacks or his tackle numbers, um, he's not getting he's not he's getting solo tackles. So he's he's has almost a, a three to one solo to assist ratio. So he's getting to the tackle ahead of anybody else. So he's not sharing tackles. So he's not like, you know, for every solo, he's getting an assist. He's clearly getting to the ball carrier. When yep. he sees it, he's getting to the carrier. So I, I, which I think is just as important as the total tackle numbers, but yeah, he's, he's providing, you know, he's getting a, a solo tackle for almost uh, every assist that he gets. So he's, you know, he's certainly maximizing those points. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, for me, he is right now in redraft. I have him as my number four guy. Mm-hmm. I have him behind Nick, Daniil Hunter, Miles Garrett. Yep. Um, one of my I don't have a lot of beef with him. I mean, he's a, he's a great player, but I do have a little beef with the fact that in four years, he only has one pass deflection on his record. Um, you know, an IDP one, two, three, that's a three point play. And when you have guys like <clears throat> Cameron Jordan, when you have guys like uh Carlos Dunlap, even Miles Garrett, you know, that are getting you two, three extra pass deflections a year. I mean, and when really when you get into Cameron Jordan and Carlos Dunlap, guys like that, you're getting seven, eight, nine a year. Um, and Joey Bosa has one through five seasons. You know, those are points, you know, at the end of the day. And I like guys that have a, a diverse um, skill set. That's why he's a little bit below even his brother Nick. Nick was only in the league one season. He's already doubled his pass deflections. He's got two, and he had two in the postseason. So in one year, he has four pass deflections, which is three more than his brother has in four years. So that's one of my only knocks on Joy Bosa. If I mean, you know, we're just splitting hairs, as they say, I guess, if you have to, you know, decide. So that's why he's a little lower for me 
than Jared said he had him. But, I mean, again, he's in that top tier for sure because he's a guy you can count on for big tackle for loss numbers. you a guy you can count on for big solo tackle numbers, which at the position is, you know, always a good, a great to have a good baseline there. And he had 31, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 31 quarterback hits this last year, which was the most he's had in his career, which was the most he's had in his career. So trending up. Um, any last thoughts about Joey Bosa uh, before we talk about his little his buddy? Uh, what do you guys think about Melvin Ingram coming into this next year? Anyone in, in terms of Ingram, I like Melvin Ingram personally. I mean, I, I've always liked Ingram, but I think he is the more boomer bust guy, um, just because he can go he can go more stretches. Because um, I think half of his production last season came in about three games, and then. You see his game log, and there's a lot of blanks. So you would think playing alongside someone like you know Joey, he would get to the quarterback more, but it just doesn't seem to be the case. But I think with Linval Joseph maybe in town, I know he's a guy that can kind of plug things up. Um, I like Ingram's value, though. I mean, I think he's being drafted as the 25th defensive lineman off the board. So I like the value. Um, but no, I think you're getting more of a boomer bust player um than than anything but I still I still think he's a still a really good player he's I think his pressure rate is still within double digits so I think he's fine I I'm more comfortable with him as a second or a third DL than maybe anchoring my defensive line around him agreed agreed Jared what do you think about him this year uh I like him I, I mean the good thing he's got a great motor I mean yep. if if I like guys that don't take plays off, and he's one of them. So he, he's probably my biggest aspect in, in the aspect he doesn't take a playoff, and that's why he's there. I mean, that's mm -hmm. and I think with Bosa having, you know, continually playing really well, they have to focus on him. So it just makes Melvin Ingram, you know, especially a guy that you can get way later. Um, yeah. And honestly, some some people don't even think about him. So you can draft him real late and you know, in a league, unless you're listening to this and then people start going after him. So, well, I mean, that's just one of those things. I like him. I, I really do like Melvin Ingram. Yeah. I've got him as my 28th guy right now this season in redraft. Um, maybe that's a little low. I was just talking about past deflections. Listen to his past deflections since 2016. Uh, five, one, three, five. So that's like 15x what Joey Bosa is doing on the other side. So even though he doesn't have the double digit sacks a couple of these years, he's making up for it because, you know, he's getting these pass deflections and he is getting uh, points in other ways. So you're, you're right, Mike, he is a little more boomer bust. He does have some low scoring games, but he can have a big week where he goes off for, you know, 25, 30, 40 points. Um, and when those weeks happen, you better hope he's in your lineup. So let's, um, any other thoughts on this defensive line before we move on? Guys, what do you guys think about uh, – they drafted Tillery last year. They brought in Joseph. Any quick comments on those guys before we move on to the linebacker group? I've got a little bit of interest in Linval Joseph. I would love to see Tillery move up. Yeah, but I, just something – I haven't seen too much out of Tillery yet yeah. to really go gaga for him. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I like Linval Joseph. I'll be honest. I mean, he's consistent, right. so – yeah, not bad, not bad idea. That was definitely a good addition for them as a as a unit. Um, you know, I think nobody's gonna 
contest that. So let's move to those linebackers. Let's talk about Kenneth Murray. We were talking a little bit about him before we came on to the show or before we started recording. Um, they moved up, traded up to get him. They need linebacker help. Um, you know, Jared, you're an, o, you're an Oklahoma guy. Jared could probably tell you everything about Kenneth Murray since he's about 10 years old. But tackle monster. Um, he plays fast. He gets hard. Sideline to sideline speed is there. He ran an incredibly fast um, 40 at the combine. Being 20, I think he ran the same, same, same speed as Patrick Queen, but he's like 20, 30 pounds heavier. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? What's, what's the upside of a guy like this? Jerry, we'll start with you since you got a little more of the Oklahoma in you, and then we'll defer to Mike, and then we'll talk about the other guys that are kind of hanging around there at linebacker. I mean, here, what, what's not to love about Kenneth Murray? Uh, off the field, phenomenal kid. Uh, he's got such a great story in the aspect of how he's raised people. I mean, there, there's if you just want to look up his story, that, that's pretty amazing to me. Uh, if you look at the other aspect of on the field, great leader. Everybody talks about how great a leader he is, how much he loves just being a person. So if you look at his stats from last year, and we just pulled it up, 102 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, four sacks, four pass deflections. Um, that that was his second best year at Oklahoma. His best year was his sophomore season, in which he had um, 12 and a half tackles for loss. He had, he also had 17. Uh, sorry, so over the last, so he's had 36 and a half tackles for loss, 325 tackles over three years in college, 176 solo tackles. Um, nine and a half sacks. Um, what he's only had was he had one forced fumble, uh, one fumble recovery, and six pass deflections overall, including four and two his last two years. Uh, what's not to like about the kid? He averaged, I mean, he went 36 his freshman year where he just he didn't play a whole lot, uh, 71 solo tackles his sophomore year, and 69 solo tackles in his junior year. And played every game. What do you say about the guy? I mean, he's he's as good as they come. Uh, actually, he only played, um, he, and he left two games early, including uh, he actually left during the play LSU, which I would definitely tell you hurt them. I mean, they were going to get blown out anyway, defensive starters out for the game. But uh, he's as good as they come in. He's, he's my LB1. Um, it's not even close to me. Uh, we, we had this little argument before the show on who our LBO one was going to be because of the addition to Linval Joseph. You have Melvin Ingram, you have Joey Bosa in front of you. They finally have a linebacker that can come downhill, get out of money with really good closing speed and who stays on the field. And that's Kenneth Murray. And I, I think he's as good as they come. I really do. Um, I think he, he might even, blew out some numbers from last year from the two rookies that and you know I love Devin Bush and Devin White I am infatuated with him but Kenneth Murray could be as good or better yeah I mean he is he's a specimen you seen no. that dude with his shirt off no he's, you're right I mean no homo but that is ridiculous what do you, do you, what need, do you need a minute do you- <laughs> <laughs> that's all I <laughs> What are your thoughts, Mike? Where you got yeah, I mean, I mean, we're just like, yeah, I mean, there's 
you know, he he said it all. I mean, in terms of workload, I mean, he appeared in over 800 snaps in each of his three seasons. So he's durable, um, good frame, good speed. Um, almost his movement is almost re reminiscent, in my view, of like a really quick safety. Um, he can get to the quarterback. Um, I guess some of just these are very minor concerns, and I think these are correctable. He just needs to, you know, needs to square up on some tackles, make plays in coverage. I think he had 13 or more missed tackles in each of his three seasons. So as long as he can cut that down, um, you know, that that's uh, that's correctable, I think, for someone like him. But he has the talent to be a three down linebacker, especially if he plays on the weak side. And if the Chargers and Bradley realize, hey, we have a really good football player, we need to keep him on the field. Um, as long as he doesn't get messed with, he has uh, for sure an LB1 ceiling uh, with his tackle rate. Um, Thomas Davis, you know, left a hole, a big hole on the weak side. I mean, he vacates 110 tackles. So um, really good makeup of a weak side linebacker, but he'll probably be aligned everywhere on that defense. So as long as he can get on the field for 800 to 900 snaps, I mean, he he can easily eclipse the 100 tackle mark in his rookie year. Um, but he for sure has an LB1 ceiling. Nice, nice. I, I agree. LB1 ceiling is definitely in the cards. He's uh, I have him ranked in redraft right now at 23, sandwiched between Rashawn Evans and Jerome Baker at the moment. And I think that he could I think he could blow the doors off some people. So um, I have him a little bit ahead of Wilson and uh, Patrick Queen and guys like that. But that's just me. Um what do we think about the rest of these guys? Drew Tranquil, you know, because you're white, Perryman, or is there any IDP interest at this point? Or is this one of those things where we're just going to watch, wait, and make our moves, you know, week two, week three? Anybody? I, I've been um, – oh. Okay, I have Drew Tranquil in my, in my top 200. I will tell you that. Um, yeah. I do I, – I have white in my top 200. But I'll be honest with you, they're probably on most waiver wires. Um the guys to have is Kenneth Murray. The guys to have are Melvin Ingram, Linval Joseph, and Joey Bosa. Uh, and then on the backside, obviously, there's the dog. So um, even though they have King. So I don't know, man. I, I'm not a not massive. I mean, he, they're definitely an LB3, white and tranquil. So yeah. I think they're going to have LB3, LB4. Where you can slide them in and they're going to get some, get you know, better than zero which is always better than zero. So I'll take that. I think Tranquil's got a little bit of upside, but what are your thoughts, Mike, before we head to the uh, the back end of this defense? Yeah, and some of the things I've been reading, you know, they're still considering Perriman uh, as a middle, but I, I don't know why. Um, I think the Chargers, I think some of the guys like their his physical play, but that leads to him being off the field. Um, upside, I'd rather take a chance on Tranquil. I think because your white is probably going to play more of that that left side, that Sam side. So he could come off in sub packages. So I don't really have much interest in because you're white, but like you, it's just Marie. And if somebody emerges, um, I might draft tranquil as kind of a, a back end late round draft guy in, in redraft, just to kind of see what happens. And you know what, if he does, if nothing emerges, if he's your like sixth or seventh linebacker, you could just cut bait and, and move on and not really have to worry about it. But in terms of like an actual draft, like in draft, um, it, it's Kenneth Murray and then maybe tranquil to kind of round things out. It's just one of those things. I don't know if this group, warrants having two guys um at the same position on your roster so um 
it's yeah for, for me it's murray and then everybody else is just down a bunch of pegs fair fair all right well let's head to the back end of this defense let's talk about derwin james all right um I'm going to go ahead and kind of give my little bit on Derwin James before we get going, let you guys kind of look at it. But this is the guy, you know, he came in his rookie year, 2018, had 105 um, combined tackles, 13 pass deflections, three interceptions, three and a half sacks, four tackles for lost, and he made first team all pro. And he finished in IDP one, two, three scoring Derwin James into the season with 273 points. Um, that was in 18. Jamal Adams that same season had 307 points. Now, I said something yesterday. Our buddy um, Z-Mag's IDP from IDP Guys put up a poll yesterday, and it was basically asking, you know, who would you want of these safety? Who's the safety you guys are keeping? And he put Buda Baker, Derwin James, and Jamal Adams on this list. And it blows my mind that I'm looking at it right now. 47% of people took Derwin James, and 30% of people took Jamal Adams. Um now, I get the Derwin James hype is real. I mean, he looks good in that uniform, that powder blue. He's got a cool visor. I mean, he hits hard. He's, you know, he's got that stuff going for him. But he scored 273 points, like I said, his big year. That would have made him in 2019, if you just take that exact same season, those exact same points, he would have been defensive back um, four. But he only would have scored two more points than Jamal Adams did in 2019. And Jamal Adams played 14 games. So even at his absolute peak right now, he still has only beat Jamal Adams once last year if you go point for point in a full season. But Jamal Adams didn't even play a full 16. So to me, I mean, I get it. People like Derwin James, but I think it's kind of silly, even borderline foolish to to put rank him ahead of Jamal Adams when he just hasn't done it yet. Um, I love him. I mean, I'm not trying to dog on him, but I think that people are – I don't understand why people are coming off of Jamal Adams maybe is where I'm going with this. But Derwin James right now for me in, well, in Dynasty, I think he's my DB two, three, four. He's one of those, and I know he's, I know he's my DB four in redraft right now. I know some people probably don't like that, but that's – you know, Jamal Adams is just – the way he gets things done everywhere and the fact that he's had two seasons already that have beat Derwin James his best season. And if you extrapolate, you know, his full season last year out over 16 games, Jamal Adams, he still goes over 300 again, something that Derwin James has not done yet. So that's my bit on him. I mean, he's, he's top five for sure. Um, I'm going to double check my rankings just so I know exactly for sure where I stand on him for people um, I'm looking right now at Fantasy Pros. He's I got him at DB4. I have Jamal Adams, Buda Baker, Landon Collins, and Derwin James. Uh, that's what I have currently right now. But um, what are your thoughts? Let's jump to Mike, and then we'll jump to uh, Jared. But what are your thoughts on Jamal Adams? And then what are your thoughts on Jamal Adams compared to – or Derwin James compared to Jamal Adams? I guess when I – you know, one I'm afraid of – him his his situation heading into the season you don't like to hear trade talk anytime you hear trade talk it should kind of perk your ears a little bit because if he does get traded to another team is he going to be utilized the same way is he going to be asked to rush the passer is he going to be asked to do the same things you want to think yes because you know that's what he does he's a he's a versatile player so i think i still like like you i still have him ranked number one but i think a lot like i said you know you 
you just don't know the situation. You don't know what how he's going to be used. Um, and you know, last season, you know, he was a, a sack machine at the at a safe at, for a safety. His tackles were down, but still was was a monster. Um, I mean, I'm like you. I've got Derwin four. Um, he's still a tier one defensive back. Um, on a on a per play basis, he's he's uh, I'd say a borderline elite. I mean, he's right around point two point two points per snap, which is a, a very good rate for a defensive back. And again, with the situation that he's in, with really the lack of real linebacker talent around him, he's going to be asked again to do a lot of everything. Um, so I think he's going to resume his his into the box role. Um, and I think he's go, uh, you know, hopefully he's fully healthy. He should be fully healthy. Um, so, but like, you know, I'm, I mean, he's, he's still top four. I mean, you're, you're talking about probably, you know, a, a difference between three to four points per game um, between some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jared? I mean, uh, Jamal Adams to me, like I just said, is still number one. I've seen some people have Derwin at one. Do you think it's a little premature, or what? What are your thoughts? I mean, I know you. I mean, and that's not to knock him. I mean, he first team All Pro as a rookie is that's good. I mean, I don't want to go against that, but I'm just saying when the numbers stack up, he still hasn't done it the way Jamal Adams has done it. But what are your thoughts? Okay, I'll agree with you on the aspect of, uh, but look at the time on the field. You know, we're talking about the San Diego Chargers. You know, they can sustain drives. I mean, that's that's something that they've always done. But and Jamal Adams is going to stay. You know, going to get his points because, well, when was the last time you remember the Jets being good and sustaining a drive? Hmm. I mean, can, can they stay on the field <laughs> and be that? No, Jamal Adams gets more opportunity. So and I so I agree with that. Now. Here's what here's why I even like Derwin James even more because we don't know who the starting quarterback on the Chargers is going to be. Let's just be real here, mm-hmm. right? Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? Is it going to be Herbert? I mean, I, I mean, young quarterbacks. Who knows what's going to happen? So Derwin James, he's more than top five for me. Okay, um, I have him ahead of Landon Collins because I don't know which Landon Collins I'm going to get. Okay. That, that, that's my biggest thing. And you know me, I'm a floor guy, a huge floor guy. Derwin James over his last five games, right? And only played six and he played, uh, you know, went in my my fantasy league, um, MFL, he went eight, 17, 15, 17, 16. Mm-hmm. So you have a floor of 16 with him, the way I look at it, when he came back. And you have a ceiling of 30 plus he's 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 number three for me and in a dynasty he might be numbered two or number one fair just because he's young i mean he's super young and he's as good and people want to say this all they want he's for me who he really reminds me of is probably the greatest defensive back of our era you know just in the last couple years and Charles Woodson. So he if if they really wanted to, Derwin James could could play both ways. That's how athletic he is. And I truly believe that. Fair. So all right. Well any um any thoughts on I've just looked I got him at four in Dynasty and redraft. Do you guys want to touch on these defensive other defensive backs before we move to the Broncos? I'm good moving on to the Broncos. 
All right. Let's do it. Let's move to the Denver Broncos. Um, let's start talking about Bradley Chubb. Came into the league uh, two years ago as a rookie. Had a you know a highly productive season as a rookie. Um, hurt himself last year. Let's see. His rookie season, he had 12 sacks, two forced fumbles, one pass deflection, 60 combined tackles, 14 tackles for loss, and 21 quarterback hits. Um, that's from the linebacker position, technically, but we play on sleeper, so he is DL eligible on sleeper. So we, we're talking about him in that group of guys right now. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on him coming back from this injury? He played four games last year, got hurt in the fourth, so the the injury was early in the season. So uh, what what are your thoughts on him, Mike? Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that if he has that that edge to eligibility, I know in MFL you can you can customize things so you can change it from linebacker to defensive end. So um, he's one of those guys. I you know if you're in a league where you know how your league mates draft, like if you know you know what they're looking at points from last year or points per game averages from last year, um, Chubb's probably not going to appear just because of his limited games. So you can almost get him at a at a discount and take advantage of your leagues. I mean your league mates. I mean, before the injury, when you look at his his points per snap rate, he was 0.24 points per snap. Um, and his best game came in week four. So he you could kind of tell he had that trajectory up uh, up until his injury. So um I I think uh, definitely take advantage of his discount, especially now that he you no longer have to worry about him being a linebacker and taking up a linebacker spot. Um but yeah I mean his points per snap rate well above 0.20 which is which is really what i want to see yeah what are your thoughts jared coming off this injury you think he's gonna put himself back in that dl1 conversation you think he's gonna be more of a high-end dl2 this year and let's just let's just make this something actionable and thoughtful what where would you put bradley chubb compared to your guy who we're going to talk about soon max crosby who i know a lot of people have kind of in that low dl1 area you know 12 11 10 where would you put Bradley Chubb compared to him? Both guys have only had one full season under their belt. Both had very good, you know, rookie years. Um, one's got a lot of more draft capital than the other. But what are your thoughts on Bradley Chubb? So here's my thing is, you know, I'm huge, like you just said, on Max Crosby. And Bradley Chubb's upside. I mean, any person who has 60 tackles, mm -hmm. uh, 12 sacks, I mean, how do you love that? In a, in a rookie season and, and, and give you maybe people just didn't know who they what they were getting, you know, when he came back and he, he was hurt four games, like you said, uh, but he's good for a pass. He always gets a force from I mean, he had a force on the last year in what four games. So um, he only had one sack in the, you know, in those four games. But if you talk about that, uh, when you're focusing on somebody because Von Miller being who he is, as long as Von Miller's there, Bradley Chubb is a is a must-have. Now, I think Von Miller is definitely on the downside of his career, without a doubt. I mean, whether you can argue with me or not, it's just a thing. Mm -hmm. They've got the biggest reason why I'm not, not sold on Bradley Chubb is because of who they got rid of. Okay, I understand they got Gerald Casey, but they got Wolf is Wolf has been a staple on the defensive line. And to get rid of him, I think, hurts Bradley Chubb more than anything. So, yes, great upside, but you have to look at the aspect of who, who they've lost. Um, I mean, he had 41 solo tackles as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, that's that's huge. If he can, if he can come close to matching his rookie numbers, then he's a DL1. I mean, that's just what it is. 
But do I think it happens? I don't know. I, I mean, he had what? He had 16 solo tackles in his, in, you know, last year, yeah. you know, being injured. So <laughs> if you look at that, that you can't gripe about it. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's he he has the potential to be a deal one. I think he's going to be a deal two, a deal three, then. Fair. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the injury, that's you know, you, you have to be a little cautiously optimistic, optimistic, but cautiously. So, yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts are as well with you guys. You know, I think that the ceiling is there. I want to see what his floor looks like this next year coming off that injury. But I have been buying the uh, the discount. So, and I'm sure any you guys have as well. So, any other thoughts on the Jarrell Casey edition? He's averaging four total tackles a game, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. But we could move into this linebacker group. We can go to uh, probably my favorite bread and butter tackler in the whole NFL, Todd Davis. Um, just 134 tackles, and you wouldn't even notice it last year. Um, playing next to AJ or Alexander Johnson, another guy who's kind of a late breakout. But this is the second year in a row that Todd Davis has eclipsed under tackles. Um, almost 80 solo, 78 this year. He had 80 the year before on less to overall tackles. Doesn't do a lot in the tackle for loss department. I mean, six isn't bad. I mean, that's a that's that's well, that's a little better than I guess I just gave him credit for, but not not. Nothing like um like Luke Keekley a couple of years ago when he had that monster year. You know, he's again, he's a very much a bread and butter kind of guy. He had seven pass deflections in 18, but only one this last year. But um, what are your guys' thoughts on Todd Davis? And while we're at it, let's just talk about Alexander Johnson too. Like, what are you guys' thoughts on these linebackers? Where would you draft them? You know, what would you expect out of them, etc.? I'll just throw it to Mike first and then circle back to Jared, and then we'll go to the defensive backs. Yeah, I mean, Davis, he's he's boring, but obviously effective tackle machine. And you know what? Sometimes boring is fine. And you're you can plug him into your lineup and you know what uh you know what you're getting, at least for this season. I don't see him being displaced. I think he's in his final year. Um, you know, provides a really high tackle rate uh, i think last year it was about 15 percent um so I, I you know in terms of redraft i'll i'll draft him uh i'll take the boring name um get lb1 stats and draft him as a as my third or fourth linebacker and just continue to enjoy the the production um as far as alexander johnson yeah late career breakout um i think those two guys are going to be the three down guys um I think though I think Johnson may be more of a redraft guy as opposed to Dynasty, because um, I think Justin Sternot is going to be involved sooner rather than later. Maybe not this year, but for sure next year. And for him, in terms, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to have a little bit more upside than some of the other guys. So I think he might have more of a special teams role. I think he might see some snaps, but. I think his 2021 is probably where he'll shine, uh, especially with Davis coming off. Uh, potentially not being re-signed and being a free agent. So um, I do like AJ and Davis and redraft. I, like I said, I think those are going to be your three down guys. Um, so that's kind of my quick thoughts on, on those two. Yeah. Jared. You, you guys say late, late career, Alexander Johnson. Am I, isn't he only is in his third year. He's only been in the league a short time, but he's like 20. He's 27 or 28, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's in his late 20s. Yeah, he's only been in the league for time, but he was yeah, he's 28. Yeah. So I guess early. I mean, is it, I mean can't we say the same thing about Todd Davis? Yeah, 
I guess. I mean, he's been in the league a little longer. He's been in the league when he was 22. He just hasn't really done anything until recently. Well, I mean, he had 90 sacks. I mean, I mean they're both 28. They're what? both the exact same age. What so are your thoughts one, on him? One's got more experience than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got to love the aspect that Todd Davis the last two years had 114 tackles. You know, Todd Davis had 114 tackles, 134 tackles the last two years. Um, but, again, he he's the one guy that's been in the league a lot longer. I mean, they both, you know, I get that they're both, eight, you know, older, you know, 28. But you probably still got two or three years out of them. You know, if you're saying that you're going to hold Todd Davis, you got to hold – Alexander Johnson, that they believe in him apparently because, dude, how many players do you know are coming in the league at 20, you know, 26 and start in the NFL? I mean, just doesn't happen. So I don't know. I, I like, I like Johnson's, you know, I mean, let's see, over the last two years, Todd Davis finally broke the 100 yard uh, mark and he was, and afterthought before then. I mean, and he's been with Denver since 2014. So, I, I don't know. I love Todd Davis. I, and like you said, he he's like Matt Milano. Mm-hmm. If, if you really want to talk about it. He's boring, but he gets tackles. Ain't nothing so, boring about uh, Matt Milano. Get out of here. I like both in redraft. Matt Milano's a beast. Slander. I mean, if you just said Todd Davis is boring, I mean, how is Matt Milano not the same thing? Mm, I don't know. Matt Milano is a little. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm asking you. I mean, I think Matt Milano does more in the the coverage area. He's very very good at diagnosing plays. Um, you know, he gets behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he just missed on a couple of sacks this last year. Seven tackles for loss, twelve tackles for loss, seven tackles for loss the last three years. I mean. That one year he only started five games. That's more than you know Todd Davis had. So I mean he's getting points in other places besides just tackles. He hasn't had those big tackle numbers yet. But anyway, let's let's move on from these guys. Let's let's not get bogged down in one of the most boring linebacker groups in the NFL. Um, let's see who's next. Oh, let's talk about Justin Simmons, um, Kareem Jackson. What are your guys' thoughts on these guys? Uh, Justin Simmons um, in 2018 ended up. Let's see here, defensive backs. He ended up. Number seven, um, he did a lot of that on the back of some mm-hmm. pass deflections. He had a lot of good solo tackles, but he did have a lot of pass deflections this last year. I know early in the season, early last year, I was more on Kareem Hunt, or not Kareem Hunt, Kareem Jackson than him. But as the year progressed, you know, you just kind of saw Simmons just kept getting it done over and over and over again. So what are your guys' thoughts on him this year? you think he's going to be able to put up another top 10 season? Um and if so, you know, what What do you think that's going to look like? Let's go to Mike and then we'll circle to Jared. I just think with the nature of the, the DB position, it's just such a volatile position. Someone could be a, a seventh, you know, seventh overall and the next year they fall off. But I, you know, as long as Simmons maintains that same role, you know, it, he's in a role that allows for IDP production. I mean, he had a virtual 50-50 split at free safety and strong safety. Um, he made a play on the ball, 40% of his targets. And like you said, that led to a lot of pass defense past deflection so um and i think he had three or four picks so he's he's a ball hawk whenever he's targeted so he's going you know and in your scoring those past deflections are huge so um in terms of simmons i i don't mind him as my my second db um 
especially for those for those bigger plays. So um, I'd certainly like him over Kareem Jackson. Yeah, I know Jackson got in some legal trouble last year, um, but apparently he served with suspensions or whatever at the end of last season. So he should be right back on the field this year, just in case anybody's wondering about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jared, what what are your thoughts on Justin Simmons? I know you were big on him last year. I know you liked you liked having him, and you got him pretty cheap in a couple of spots, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I got him cheap in, in quite a few spots. Uh, he flies under the radar, and I don't know if maybe people just aren't Denver fans or or what the people I've been playing with, but when you're talking to a guy who's last two years at 97 and 93 tackles, you know, plus, you know, he had two interceptions the year before, I mean, or last year. So, I mean, to get what you can get out of a guy and then you see – those type of production. He reminds me a lot of Tremaine Edmonds where he gets a lot of tackles, but he has a big playability too, which which makes you like him. Uh, as for Kareem Jackson, never been really high on him. Uh, he's finally in a role where he's playing uh, safety, but they moved him around a lot last year too. He's been a you know, long-standing career at Houston. I think he'd, he'd be better suited to safety. I mean, he's got high tackle numbers when he was a cornerback. Uh but if, if you want me to pick one of the two, it's not even close to me. I mean, in the city he's been playing, I would rather have the younger guy, Justin Simmons, who's already had more tackles than Kareem Jackson's. I mean, Kareem Jackson's career high was 87 tackles. Uh, and then, I mean, give you, and I understand that he's played corner most of his career uh, with playing 71 you know, having 71 tackles last year in 13 games, it's pretty awesome. But I would rather have uh, Justin Simmons in his 16 games years. Yeah. He's just very, very solid player, a very good tackler, as you see on the video. So, yeah, I'm a I'll, fan, a huge yeah, fan I, of him. I yeah, like a guy that. who's been in the top 10 last two years. Can't wrap up. Yeah, I like the fact that you know he does get the high pass deflection numbers. He's good in coverage. He grades got? out. He grades out really good on PFF. Um, you know, he doesn't just like like Mike said. You know, he is moving back and forth from strong to free safety. So there will be people out there that are like, oh, he's just okay because he doesn't do all of his time in the box. You know, that's that's a that's an opinion, but you can get points places on the field that aren't in the box. Um, so. I like Justin Simmons, and I think he's one of those guys, too, where you'll see people take a Minka Fitzpatrick or you'll see people take um, – oh, who's just another good – like not Eddie Jackson. Two years ago, you probably would have saw somebody take Eddie Jackson over him. But he's a guy that he does slip through the cracks, and I don't necessarily want him as my DB1 because maybe his floor isn't as safe, but because he is able to get it done all over the place, I would feel comfortable with him as my DB1 if I were to punt the position a little bit. So – that's kind of my thoughts on him. And Kareem Jackson, I mean, he's going to be one of those guys. He'll have weeks where, you know, he'll probably be in my top 24, um, and he'll have weeks where he probably won't be, and he'll have weeks where he'll probably make me look good, and he'll have weeks where he'll probably make me look like I have no idea what I'm doing. So that's just the nature of the beast. That's what we do here. So any thoughts or comments on the the cornerbacks here? I know they've lost Tlaib and Harris last couple of years. They added A.J. Bouye. They added, um, was it Callahan or something like that when they're slot guys? But I'm not overly interested in any of these guys. But if you guys want to speak on them at all, get it in now. But if not, let's move to the Chiefies. 
Real quick, just uh, one guy to keep an eye on in your cornerback premium is probably going to be Devontae Bosby just because he's coming off of a neck injury. Um, I think opposing quarterbacks could end up targeting him with A.J. Boye on the other side. So just one name to keep an eye on is Bosby, but we can move on. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, let's move to my chiefies. I'm rocking my Patrick Mahomes jersey today for anybody that's watching on the YouTube. Repping, repping the red. Let's talk about the big guy. Um, let's talk about Chris Jones. Um, defensive tackle, but not just a defensive tackle. I mean, this is probably the most versatile, one of the most versatile interior defensive linemen in the league. I mean, it's him, it's Aaron Donald, and to me, it's DeForest Buckner. These guys can do everything. I mean, they get pass deflections. They force fumbles. They get sacks. The one thing that I will say that's a little bit of a knock on Chris Jones compared to these other guys I'm naming off is his tackle numbers. Uh, Chris Jones has ne never gone over 40 tackles in a year, and DeForest Buckner averages right around 65. So when you're talking floor, um, safe floors, you're probably going to want to go elsewhere. But when you're talking ceiling – I mean, you got a 15 and a half sack season under his belt, nine sacks last year and 12 games started. His tackles for a loss, he had 19 and 18 in 2018. Um, but I mean, just look here. Since 2018, 24 and a half sacks, 27 tackles for loss, nine pass deflections. That's two years. Remember, Joey Bosa only has one. Um, three forced fumbles, 49 quarterback hits, 76 combined tackles in the last two years. Um, he's a beast. And I've been getting him on sleeper. He's, you know, DL, so we don't have to draft DT. I've been taking him as a DL2, and sometimes in some of my leagues, I have him as a DL1. Um, you know, I'm going to be putting him against guys like Nick Bosa. I'm going to be putting him against guys like Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett. And I honestly, I feel comfortable in knowing that his floor is, you know, right around 20 quarterback hits, um, right around 15 tackles for loss. And to know that he's got double-digit sack upside, even though his tackles are lower than a lot of other defensive linemen, I'm comfortable with him. But what are your guys' thoughts on Chris Jones? Um, and there's also this whole thing with his, um, you know, he wants a contract, and he has not gotten it. So we'll defer, go Mike, and then we'll circle right back around Jared on Chris Jones. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think last year could have been one of those years where, where Jones – did eclipse the 40 tackle mark just because he missed three games. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a, a guy who, you know, especially from the defensive tackle position, which isn't really known for sacks. Um, I mean, when you look at his numbers, I mean, you, you said it, he's um, a, a very a versatile player. Um, five tools. He's going to get you defensive uh, pass defense. Um, he's going to get sacks. He's going to get those forced fumbles. Um, his, you know, he only was in on 58% of the snaps. But like I said, he missed, I think, three games, four games last year. I think it was three games. I'm sorry. Um, but again, points per snap. You look at his points per snap, and and he's he's right up there with some of the best uh, defensive ends, defensive linemen. So he's one of those few guys where you don't necessarily need to separate. Yeah, I'm going to take this guy only defensive tackle premium. I'm not touching him defensive line general. Um, he's one of those guys that you can, you can draft if you're in a uh, – um, like a general defensive lineman league where they're, where you don't have the positions broken out. So um, I think he's playing for another contract. So, you know, he's in a, another contract year, which I always like contract year guys. Um, he's turning 26. So, I mean, he's right entering the prime of his career. So um, yeah, he's, he's one of the few chiefs I like from an IDP standpoint. 
Thanks. What are your thoughts, Jared? I mean, I like him. I mean, I'm not going to say he's a DL1 by any means. Uh, any person who only has 30, you know, like you said, his his ceiling is 40 tackles. All right, he's 28, 32, 40, and 36. He went from defensive end to defensive tackle. Um, he had 23 solos last year, which is weird. He, he was a Pro Bowl selection last year, and he wasn't the year before, but the year before he had more solos. He had more combined tackles, and he had uh, seven and a half more sacks, uh, which is just – or sorry, six and a half more sacks. Uh, but he did make the Pro Bowl in 2018, which was weird. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's interesting to me. Um, I don't know. I, I like him. Do not get me wrong. And, and he had nine more nine more quarterback hits the year before as well. Um, I don't have him as a deal one. I, I mean, you look at different things. And, yeah, he, he has a good floor, and you know I like good floors, but I don't have him as a deal one. I might even have him as a deal three, to be honest with you. I think his ceiling, though, I think he does but have like a deal one ceiling, though. Um, I mean, if you look at his 2018 season, um, you know, 0. 0.20 points per snap. So I think the ceiling is there. This year, I'm, I'm, I, I agree. I'm not taking him as my first defensive lineman. Um, no, he's – but, yeah, as far as this year, yeah, I agree with you. He, second or third. Hmm. Interesting. Mo- he's a monster, though. Let's not get this twisted. I'm going to six, six, three, ten. I mean, well, let's, he's let's, scary. Let's take a look at this. I Don't mean, come he played – he played. Well, I'm gonna come back just a little, not a lot, just a little. He played 13 games last year, and he still finished as DL 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is in the DL. That is in the DL three range. That's where you had him, but that's in 13 games. So let's just let's just have a little fun. Let's give him three more games, and let's give him 15 points a game, just for just for okay, fun. Okay, let's add 45. Okay, well then I'm gonna to counter the you. Where are you gonna put Max? What's Max extra? Crosby? Max Crosby only played ten games. Started ten games. He played all sixteen. Or right. Started ten games. Okay, he well, eleven games. Yeah, and he still had a bit. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm, but if you give him those points, if you give if you give Chris Jones a full season, he is up there in that you know, 12 to 15 range pretty comfortably, um, you know, with guys like Nick Bosa, who had 216 points, uh, guys like DeForest Buckner, who had 210, Yannick Ngakwe, 220. You know, Chris Jones had 170 and missed three more games. I mean, you know, even if you give him five points each one of those games, he's still going to put himself up there into the almost top 24 just like that. And I don't think he's putting up five-point games in IDP 1-2-3 scoring. So, it's because of the big, the bigger things he does. It is because of the tackle for a loss. It is because of the pass deflections. He still had four pass deflections, four pass deflections in 13 games. I mean, that's four more than Joey Bosa's had his whole career. I mean, I'm just going to keep circling back to that. So when you can get points in other ways besides just a, a tackle floor, you know, it, it's harder. It takes a little imagination, but you can you can get these guys up there. And I think Frank, I think uh, Chris Jones is a little bit slept on. But again, it's just because he's got that DT stigma to him, and people are like, well, I don't want to put a DT in my top 10 because mm-hmm. what will everyone think of me? So, anyway, let's move on to a guy who is a DE who put up less points than uh, Chris Jones and played in 14 games. 
Uh, let's talk about Frank Clark. What are your guys' thoughts on Frank Clark? I had high hopes for him coming in last year. I don't want to say he disappointed me, but he definitely disappointed me until the postseason. Um, he didn't do hardly jack shit for my IDP teams that I drafted him on as a DL1. Uh, in the postseason, though, in all those leagues I did that were uh, in the playoffs, uh, I ran him out there a lot, and he did a lot in the postseason. So I will give him credit for that. He did help the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, which, you know, give him credit for that. Him, He and Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew pretty much, I mean, they were the heart and soul of our defense down the stretch and all the way through the Super Bowl. But what do you guys think? I, 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 I see a better season from him this year. I think part of it was the move. Part of it was getting comfortable. Part of it was missing Chris Jones for some time. So maybe he had a little bit more uh, people on him. But what do you guys think about Frank Clark uh, this next year? you think he's going to maybe hit some of those numbers we hoped he would hit last year? Um, and we'll just start with Mike and we'll circle back around Jared. Yeah, with uh, boy, with Clark, he's I think he's just more of a of a one more of a one dimensional player. Um, at least that what that's what he's showing to me. Um, you know, decent tackle numbers, not off the board. Um, you know, when you look at your passive defense, which, you know, he's had at least two in, in each of his, you know, three of his last four seasons. Um, so, you know, when you look at his sack numbers with Seattle, three, 10, nine, 13, and then with Kansas city last year, eight. So I think he's more of a, of a big play type of scoring format. Cause you know, his floor, at least in one of my scoring systems last year, his floor last year was, was two. Um, so points per snap are, are relatively low. Um, he had a good, strong finish to the season. You know, he had sacks in three of his last four. But when you look at tackles and when you look at big plays, you know, no force fumbles, no interceptions, uh, one defended pass, uh, four tackles, two tackles, one, two. So at least for me, I'm, I'm, he's certainly not something I'm going to anchor my defensive line around. I think I'm more looking at him as a second or a third defensive lineman. He's still getting a, a double digit pressure rate, which is good. That's what you want to see. It's right around, it's between 11 to 12%. Um, he's going to need to pick up his game big time because he and Chris Jones are probably going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting on the pass rush because they did lose Emmanuel Agba, who had a pretty okay season um, after really being a, a jag in Cleveland. So um, uh, they, they utilized him a little bit better than, than what Cleveland did. Um, but Clark, I think is more of the, of a big play scoring format. I don't know how he rates well in, in your scoring system. I'd, I'd imagine it's probably a little lower than, than some of the other guys, just because, you know, the lack of, of multiple double, you know, the lack of, of, consistent double digit sacks and the lack of some of the other numbers that you're hoping um, out of, out of a defensive lineman. Yeah. He did not reach the top 36 um, number 36 in IDP one, two, three came in as Demarcus Lawrence mm -hmm. at 162 points. I don't know exactly where Frank Clark came in. It can't be too, too far behind that, but um, Jerry, what do you think about Frank Clark? You have, you know, you, you have a, holding out hope for him this season. You think he's going to do a little bit better or, what are your thoughts and do you have him in any leagues or, you know, are you targeting him as a buy low guy maybe because he's coming off of the, uh, the lower year? Sorry. I, I was muted. Um, pull pull the good. list back up. You're wrong. Uh, he's Am actually, I? he's Where's actually he on the list. Yeah. Oh shit. You're right. He's at 27. He's number 27. 
Well, damn. So if you ha- if you think Chris Jones is is better, you're wrong. Look at the stats. Fra- Frank Clark had a had a better year, same amount of time he had. Uh, Chris Jones I mean, played less games. Chris Jones did miss a couple. They both of games. played eleven, didn't they? Mm, I'm looking at it right now. They Frank both started Clark eleven games. Started Frank Clark 11. had yeah he, he Frank Clark had 725 total snaps. Um, I think Jones was below the 600 snap mark because of the games that he was, that he missed. There you go. They they both started games though. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, but I think they both Clark had more volume. Games. They both had Clark had more so, volume. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, honestly, I. Okay, I, but I mean, if, if we're yeah. saying he had a down year and he scored 184 points, I mean, you have to look in the aspect he had 37 combined tackles, 27 tackles, or sorry, solo tackles. Uh, he had 12 tackles for, which I believe is his best year he's had. Uh, he never broke uh, 11. You're right. 11, 10, 10, and 12. So at his best tackle for last year, his lowest amount of games started. He only played 14 games. He turned it on at the end like you want him to. Uh, uh, in his first time, he hasn't played 16 games or at least 15 games. Um, here's the facts is Frank Clark's – and even though you say he had a down year, he had a better year than Chris Jones. And right. they just paid Clark a ton of money. And – that's why Chris Jones isn't getting paid right now because Frank Clark got paid. So I'm going to tell you right now, and you love it or hate it, Frank Clark goes over 200 points this year. Mark it down. Call it good. Woo-wee. Call the shot. I, I promise you. I, you, know, you know, and I'm not going to disagree with you because you're right. I, mean, I did not see Frank Clark there, and you make some good points. You know, I mean, the point differential is not very big. Frank Clark did have the best tackle for a lost season of his career. I think if you can trot both these boys out there for 15 games, I think they're both going to be comfortably, you know, in that top 25. You know, neither of them went to 25 this year, but I think, like you said, comfortably in that 200-ish point range, given, you know, what they have produced and what they've shown on the field. They get their points in different ways a little bit, but I think that, yeah, I think that maybe I didn't give them enough credit to open up this segment on them. So... Let's uh, we're coming close to an hour here. People Let's, hating on him, and I hated on him. No, you're right. Hey, good, good call. I hated him on before. Let's uh let's talk about these linebackers. We have another rookie in this division, another guy who could be an early producer given the situation. Uh, we're talking about Willie Gay, um, who got added to the Chiefs this year. He was their second round pick, I believe, second or third. Third round. Um, Third, what do you guys what do you guys think about him as a ceiling? I mean, this is a team that has had some some tackle guys the last couple of years, but nobody really that you're going out to try to get for your IDP team. Does Gay change that? Um, start with Mike. Circle back up to Jared. Yeah, I think with with Willie Gay, his he had a, I think he has a first round talent, um, but I think his character concerns are, are what what befell him. Um, I like the landing spot for Gay because. There is talent and there's there's leadership and he can attach himself to someone like Teran Matthew. He went through some similar issues and can kind of provide him a, um, you know, kind of that mentorship to kind of keep him on uh, a really good path. So he doesn't have to deal or doesn't have to worry about some of those off the field issues um, that he dealt with when he was uh, at, at state or Mississippi state. So when I watched some of his highlights and when I watched some of, 
of of his plays, you could tell that he was a really good football player. You could almost tell that he was probably the best player on the field. Um, I mean, he played in, it's a very small sample size. I mean, he appeared in just 177 snaps last year, but I mean, he had 40, 40 tackles, uh, five sacks over 13 games um, in 2018. So you can tell that he can play. Um, I think already, and it's just, this speaks to the nature of the, of the Kansas city linebacker room. I think he's already the best linebacker and even coverage linebacker on the team. So I think that's going to allow him to be on the field. I think he is in, in line for a three down roll, um, in terms of Anthony Hitchens, O'Day, and any of the other also runs that are on that team. I'm off of those guys really, even in redraft and, um, I'll take Willie Gay and redraft as a, a fifth or a sixth linebacker and and take the potential upside um, to fill out a roster. Nice. What do you think, Jared? Um, so I got Willie Gay in a late in a draft and was stoked about it because I, I mean athletically he's he's really really talented. Um, ESPN put out a, a video of him recently on where they he could play and they they expect him to play outside at first, uh, do the athletic building, but he moves Hitchens right out of the water. Uh, no problem there. Uh, they probably got a, you know, I, I think that last year Montez Sweat was the biggest steal of the draft in the aspect that, you know, he fell because of a heart murmur. Uh, this one, you know, he fell because of off-field issues and and a limited playing time is that. Uh, but he, without a doubt, is – been bad coached with phenomenal athletic ability. He's he's an a top tier talent. Everybody talks about how good a talent he is. They love his work at work ethic. So I think that he is going to move into without a doubt a guy you're going to have to grab deep and you, you can keep for a long time. Uh, and I, and I, as of right now, I really like him. Nice. So <clears throat> good. As a Chiefs fan, I like to hear that our team's getting better. So I know uh, Joey the Tooth from IDP guys is a big fan of his as well, and he is one of those guys that in your rookie drafts he's your fourth, fifth, sixth linebacker off the board. You know, in round four, five, six. So if you're missing on Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, you know the hype pieces. I mean, you can get a Logan Wilson or you can get a a Willie Gay a couple rounds later, and you might have a guy that is going neck for neck and might even outpace them. So. Let's uh, move to – there's no other real linebackers we want to talk about, right? I mean, I'm not interested in anybody else there. All right, great. Glad we're all in agreement there. Let's talk about my man, Tyron Matthew, all right? This is a safety. Um, he finished – what did he finish last year? An IDP 1-2-3 scoring. I'll have to pull it up in a second. But 2019, 75 combined tackles, 12 pass deflections, four interceptions, <clears throat> excuse me, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. Um you know, this is a guy who's played this is his third straight season with 16 games. Early in his career, he had a little injury trouble. He just couldn't stay on the field the whole time. You know, he had 11, 13 games, 13 games, 14, 10. But since his last season in Arizona, 16, Houston 16, and the Chiefs 16. So that seems to be behind him. Um, he gets it done all over the field. You know, he got two sacks this last year, three sacks the year before, a sack the year before, a sack the year before, a sack the year before. Um, pass deflections. He had his second most pass deflections of his career this year with 12. So he's getting you points kind of all over the place. He finished in IDP one, two, three scoring with 226 points right between Antoine Bethay and Jesse Bates. Um, that put him at DB 14. Um, you know, he's, 
he's one of those guys, to me, he just keeps getting better and better. And he is 27 now, so he really is entering his prime. You know, the guy I just mentioned above him, Buffet, an elder statesman at the defensive back position, but a guy that shows you that you can be a productive IDP defensive back late into your career. And if you really think about it, Tyron Matthew very well could be entering his sweet spot this year, next year, and the year after. I love that he's on the Chiefs. I love that he gets a couple of tackles for loss every year. I love that he gets pass deflections, four interceptions, second most interceptions of his career there as well. Um, yeah, he's a guy that I'm excited for this next year. He's an awesome. I always say Minka Fitzpatrick and Tyron Matthew are my two kind of favorite DB2 targets just because, you know, they're guys that get it done in different ways than your top-end guys like your Buda Baker or your Landon Collins who are kind of more predicated on your tackle floors. Um, what do you guys think about Tyron Matthew, you know, coming out of the – kind of coming into his own onto the Chiefs as a leader? Um, and what do you think about him coming up this year? We'll go ahead and start with Mike. I mean, I love the aspect that he's oh. played 16 games three, three straight years, um, mm -hmm. which he didn't do that in, you know, four years at Arizona. Um, but three straight years, you know, doing that, I mean, his – I think that his floor – is pretty solid. I mean, you're talking 70, 80 tackles, uh, which is awesome. Um, you know, solo tackles last three years, 70, 70, 63. Yeah, That's buddy. pretty nice. Uh, tackles for loss, three, five, and six. I mean, 2017 was a kind of a, if you really look at it, a really solid year for him. Um, not as good as his 2015 year, which he was a complete savage, his 15 year. Kids, you're getting two or three out of them a year, which is pretty nice. Uh, you're getting a couple sacks. Last three years, you've gotten five, uh, six sacks out of him. So, and then pass deflections this year has been pretty solid. He had, he had four, two, two, one, five, one, two. I mean, to have, he's been consistent. And if I want to take a player, and you know me, I like floor guys, to get a guy who's a floor guy and be a top 14 guy, I think he could easily be in the top 12 especially with Logan Ryan and Eric Green not knowing what's going on with them. Uh, you just look at small stuff like that. I don't know what Von Bell's going to do. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm a Von Bell fan. Marlon Humphrey overstayed his bounds last year and had, you know, arguably his best year of his career fantasy football-wise. So we're going to have – I'm going to have to move Marlon Humphrey down out of the top 12, to be honest with you, from this year yeah. without a doubt. What are your thoughts, so that's Mike? just where I believe, and that's where I think it's going to happen. What do you think about him this year, Mike? Yeah, I Mike. think when you when you yeah when you look at his when you look at his games appeared, I think you also have to look at at volume. I mean, you have he has been in over a thousand snaps in three straight seasons, so he's he's got the volume. So you know, like every other player, uh, you need to be on the field in order to produce. So not only does he have the snap volume, but uh, he was targeted 80 times last year, uh, made a play on the ball nearly 20% of the time. So he's not, you know, I think his ceiling in terms of tackles have been right around 89. Um, but when you look at his numbers, he's been a pretty consistent top 30 guy. So a DB two. So, um, which, you know, when I looked at his tackle numbers, I was about to say, you know, I was kind of writing up. I think he's overrated. You know what? No, maybe we we don't rate him enough. Maybe we do overrate tackles in this instance. But, yeah, he's uh, volume is key. He's been on the field over a thousand snaps, um, and that's kind of what you want. He's 
they know how to use him in the defense. And he's again, just a, a really good football player. Um, you know, multiples, you know, three sacks in 18, two sacks last year, like I said, 12 defended passes, um, four picks. So he knows how to, he knows where to go with the ball. He knows where the ball's going. He's going to get to the ball. He's one of those see ball, get ball. Um, can play in the slot, can play the strong role, can play free, can play over, can play everywhere. And that's really the trends with the safeties now. There's not, you know, they're they're being used everywhere. You know, you only have a very few guys that are strictly either a free safety or a box safety. The the trend with safeties is that, you know, along with the defense, a lot of these teams are playing three, sometimes four safeties, and they need to play everywhere. And Matthews is just one of those guys. Yep. I agree. Do it all. Safety, maybe a little bit underrated, but he's got a ring now, so I'm happy for him. He's on the Chiefs, so I'm happy about that. So, um, Just quick, one, Thornhill went down late in the season with an ACL injury. That's a nine-month recovery. He's probably not going to start the season. They did draft a guy this year kind of late. I forget who it was, if in all honesty. Um, but right now, for me, it's Honey Badger. He's the only defensive back I'm truly interested in. In a yep. cornerback-specific league, I mean, we did uh, West. Was it Charday? Charkandrick West, was it? No, he's a running back. What am I thinking of? <laughs> Tredavious. Tredavious, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> he uh, he had had a couple of big games last year. We were on him a little bit there in the middle of the season. He was a little Tredavious bit. Ward. That's about. it. That's it, Ward. So he was productive. So, But that's all that, you know, the defensive back, you know, the only guy you're really going to want and really going to be trying to get is Tyron Matthew. And when you get him, you're going to I mean, you're going to feel good about it because you know he's going to he's going to come up with some big plays for you. So we're over an hour and 10 minutes. Let's get to this final team. Let's get to the Raiders. Let's talk about these guys real quick. And then we will, you know, kind of chit chat and then close the show out. But let's talk about Max Crosby. Um, rookie last year, fourth round pick, but the most productive rookie as far as sacks. He had 10 last year. Um, what I think Josh Allen had, was it nine and a half? And then Joey Bosa had nine. Um, a lot of them, he had four in that one game. But he had that breakout game. Where's that week six, seven? Um, he had a monster game. And I remember actually, Jared, I was like I said, I was listening to some clips of our old shows last night. And the week before we had commented because he and Clellan Farrell had not been productive, but they had been ruffling some, on Thursday night football the week before. They'd been ruffling some feathers, but they had not landed the sacks. And I remember we talked and we said, there's something going on here. This this might be the week. And then that was the next week. He had that big blow up game Four fumble recoveries or no, four forced fumbles, four pass deflections, 10 sacks, 47 totals, 16 tackles for loss, and 14 quarterback hits. As a rookie, fourth-round selection, um, if you got Max Crosby last year, you got him at a price that no one will ever get him for again. Um, you probably got him on waivers. You probably got him as a throw-along. You, you, the investment to get Max Crosby was minimal, and the return for Max Crosby, yeah, he was a little boomer bust, but it was big. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on him going forward? I mean, I know they drafted Clellan Farrell to be the guy, but it seems like Max Crosby is just kind of running away with this role. I mean, even on this play right here you just watched, I mean, look at how, how much effort he put into this. If you guys aren't watching on YouTube, we're playing a clip, but he's running the ball down, you know, as he's, he's playing like a hungry guy. Um, and I like to see that. What are your guys' thoughts on upside this year? You think he has a better season than last year? I mean, that would be something. But let's uh, we'll go with Mike first, and then Jared. I know you're a huge Crosby fan, so we'll go with you at the end because I'm sure you got a lot to say. You, you may not. Yeah, I this you might not invite me back 
uh, after this. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you hate him. Um, hate him. I, I think Crosby, If I think if you're in a dynasty league, I might try to sell high because his value is not going to be higher. Um, especially if maybe you're, if you're in a rebuild mode and you know, you got him cheap, his value is never going to be higher in terms of redraft. Um, and just looking at some MFL ADP, which I know can be a little up or down, but he's being drafted ahead of guys like Cameron Jordan, Cameron Hayward, uh, Brian Burns, Demarcus Lawrence. I'm taking those guys ahead of, of Max Crosby. Um, heck I might even take Ryan Kerrigan ahead of him. Um, but in terms of dynasty in a draft, I, I certainly don't have a problem with being drafted among that top 10, top, dif- top 15. But you look to in, in your league, if someone needs a defensive end, I would throw him out as trade bait and and capitalize and sell high and see what you can get. Like I said, his value I didn't think is going to be higher. But uh, I I like him, but I'm not as – I guess You're not I'm not sold. Not what, so- what, are, what are you not sold on? Just out of curiosity, just play devil's advocate. Like, what are what's missing in the when the puzzle here? I, I I don't you know it's not one particular thing. Not one particular thing. I mean, he had he had that four. I mean, forty percent of his production came in one game. Yeah. So there's that, and I I need to see it again. I need like he's kind of a like a Shaquille Barrett. I you know what I'm not going Gaga over him, and I'm selling high on him. I need to see it again. So obviously, if if you're not getting the return or a, a, an offer that you a return on, for, for, keep them. I mean, obviously, you you know you probably got them for free or on a waiver. And you know what? When you if you can get guys like that, you know those are the guys you might want to try to ride into the ride into the sunset, which is fine. But I need to I need to see it again before um, you're in before uh, before I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And bef- before Jared goes, real quick, um, if Max Crosby would have been a top 40 pick and had the exact same season. Do you think that you would be saying all the things you just said? Oh, for sure. No, no, I, you know what it, it, it is. It comes back to his draft capital. If he was a, if he was drafted where Clellan Farrell was drafted or if he was drafted among the top 40, I mean, I'd probably, it, it, it would be, it's that, it's that, I, I guess I'm guilty of the, of the draft bias, if you will. No. When it comes yeah, to and we all so, we all yeah. are. I just I just wondered, you know, because I mean, when you look at his season side by side by side compared to I call them the big three, Josh Allen and Nick Bosa. I mean, Crosby was, you know, I mean, look, we're looking at it right now. He finished the highest of the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was as a guy who didn't even get to start until week 10 or week four. You know, so I think that there's, you know, the narrative, which I've heard, you know, you're not the first person to, to weave that story. Um, I think if if people are selling this, I mean, you're not going to get him as cheap as you did last year, but I mean, like you said, you might, his value might be as high as it ever is. You still might be, you still might be getting a bargain. Um, and so. and I think when we get into it and I think, you know, we're obviously going to come down, you know, I know there's another guy, but I might as well just say, I mean, he paid 750 snaps and they brought in Carl Nassib. So there is a potential that Nassib could eat into some of those snap numbers. So, I mean, yeah. some of his usage could come down a little bit. So, I mean, 72% of the snap as a rookie is a, is, is a huge number. So he had the volume for sure. Yeah. What are you thinking, Jared? I know Jared's a big Crosby fan. So let's, let's have, let's hear the truth. All right, here's the deal. And I want your honest, if Nick Bosa and Max Crosby were drafted at the exact same time, who's your defensive rookie of the year last year? 
I'd probably still take Bosa just because of the, the he. I think he, in my opinion, I think he had a little bit more impact on the game. I mean, he had over a hundred pressures, so I'd still take Bosa. Okay, well, we, we got one guy who had more solos, more command tag, more more quarterback hits, and more tackles for loss. But you're going to take Nick Bosa over Max Crosby. Yeah, did he have? That's did he just, have more? Let's see here. The fact of the matter is this. If if he was if he was if he was drafted at the exact same time, I mean if you look at it, sorry, quarterback hits, he, he wanted quarterback hits. But yeah. tackles for loss, um, solos and combined tackles he lost. Um and honestly, if it wasn't for the playoffs, there's no way I take Nick Bosa over him. Be, he was still fresh in people's minds if you look at it. That's why he won the defensive rookie of the year. And I'm not talking about fantasy football here. I'm thinking my guy got robbed. I'm a Mad Max fan. He was without a doubt the steal of the draft last year to get in the fourth round. I, I don't, I don't, do I don't disagree. I don't, Are you talking about? I don't disagree with you at all whatsoever. I'm, that's just, I'm, I'm given and that's just how I look at things. And I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. And like, you, you know, we said in chat, we have, we have our guys and, I love it. That's that's you know he's your guy. That's great. So here, here, here's it. another thing: is, is I'm bringing in. You know, you you talk talk about Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett didn't become somebody until the Dom Kinsu got there. Thanks for my man Steve to throw that out there. But you know, I was already going to say it anyway. Um, Shaq Barrett didn't become something because of the Dom Kinsu. Aaron Donald had his best year was Sue next to him. Max Crosby had nobody mm-hmm. and did what he he did. Yeah, that's a sure. nobody. That's a good point. So you're bringing Carl Nassib. Carl Nassib is going to take Clean Farrell's spot before he takes Max Crosby's spot. Ooh. So they're already talking about signing Max Crosby a long year deal. He's your guy. Here's I'm just look at it. <clears throat> I mean, the facts Mad Max has shot up draft boards, and you are not going to get him for what you got him before. Shaq yeah. Baird got, got what he got because of Nam Max Crosby got what he got because he got heart. Yeah, to play devil's advocate before you guys start before you guys start hitting each other, um, (laughs) you know, it is there is something to be said for you know the flip. You know, I understand the idea of you didn't pay shit for Max Crosby, so to sell him at an all time high, that's a W in and of itself. Maybe he's not on your team anymore, but in you know, if we're talking you know as a value as an asset, that's a that's a that's a that's a move I'm okay with. I think that Max Crosby is going to – you say his value is as high as it ever is. I still think if he does it again, it'll never – I mean, this is as low as it's ever going to be. So, you you know, you're, we're, you're playing with a little bit of fire here with Max Crosby. It's do I sell early because, you know, or do I do I believe? And it's, it's a matter of conviction. So, we'll, we'll move on because we all have our opinions. I like Max Crosby. I, I you know, I still think that he's – I think he's a guy that's going to pan out. I mean, he proved that he could at least do it last year. And I think he'll get the opportunities. But let's uh, let's move on down this list. Clellan Farrell, we kind of touched on him. Fourth overall pick, fifth overall pick. Um, tackle numbers were eh, okay. Pressure numbers were, you know, all right. Um, but, I mean, we're talking IDP fantasy football. The, the reality is he will he'll score more points this year. Than he did last year. At least I hope so. Jeez, if he goes back, jeez, like, you can't get it. <laughs> yeah, we got some big problems if he can't at least make us take a step forward. So, I think we could end up with a situation where Max Crosby and Clellan Farrell, if they both kind of boom, 
I mean, they could they could play off of each other in a similar style that Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram play off of each other, where they're both going to be valuable, useful commodities. I like Carl Nassib coming in as well, because even though he's not a, a high level player, it's somebody breathing down your neck that has played this game in this league for a while compared to these two. And if John Gruden likes to do anything, it's, you know, getting guys' heads and kind of be like, hey, you know, I mean, you're good, but check out this dude I got over here. He's better. And it didn't cost me a damn thing. Like, John Gruden is the kind of guy to say stuff like that to get the best out of his players. And he will, I think, you know, I, I think the uh, – sorry, uh, NASA addition was by design. I think it is kind of to to force these two edge guys to uh, iron sharpen iron, you know, kind of play off of each other. So – do you guys have any comments about those two before we move on to these linebackers? Because they have a good linebacking core, and then we're going to, you know, close out the show. We've been going a while. Appreciate the IDP Army for hanging in there with us. So any thoughts on Nassib and Farrell before we slide? Anybody? I already said my piece. Nassib came in for Farrell to push. So there you go. That's, that's just where I believe. That. Ma- Max Crosby is, is the truth. Just deal with it. Max the truth, Crosby. What are your thoughts, Mike? Anything on those two guys? Nah, not really. I mean, Farrell only had one double-digit fantasy game, so there's going to be – he's got a, a lot to prove this year. Yeah, he's got a lot of room for improvement. All right, let's talk about Corey Littleton. Now, this is another guy. I hope Jared doesn't get his blood pressure all worked up. He's a big Corey Littleton fan too. Corey Littleton, undrafted guy, comes into the Rams, works his way up ascends to being one of the league's best um, coverage linebackers, a tackle monster. You know, he's got nine pass deflections last year, 13 the year before. He gets tackles for a loss, nine and 18, six last year. Now, this is interesting. Four sacks and 18, three and a half last year. I mean, those are just keep racking up the points. Five interceptions over the last two years. I mean, Corey Littleton, the Rams – I don't really get why they didn't try to keep him around at least a little bit. The Raiders got their linebacker situation. I mean, in my opinion, figured out with Corey Littleton and bringing in Nick Lukowski. Um, do I think that he does exactly what he did last year or close to it? I, I really do. I think he gets close. I don't, you know, different coaching staff, maybe things are a little different, but from what I've seen of Corey Littleton, he's a guy that he gets it done um, and he's low key, just been getting it done. And I'm, I'm not fading him. Um, even though he did switch teams. What are your thoughts, Mike, on he and Kwiatkowski, another guy who I really think is going to perform this year, who's a little bit cheaper, and uh, with them transitioning to a new team, this kind of new-look Raiders, you know, young, new-look Raiders defense with these two guys in the middle. What are your thoughts, Mike? And then, Jared, what are your thoughts on the move? We've talked about him before, but let's hit on him real quick, and then let's get to Jonathan Abram. So so you guys are are both Corey Littleton guys, correct? <clears throat> I mean, I've got him in one league. I like him. I wish I had him in more. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, he's a top 10 guy for me pretty easily. So, I, I hope I, I make things up. I still am on Corey Littleton, even with the move. Um, I have him as my seventh linebacker in redraft this year. So, I think even with Kwiatkowski in tow, I think this might be a situation where you could even have – where you can draft both guys and you could almost potentially start both guys. Cause I think those are going to be the three down guys in Oakland or in Las Vegas. So um, both are, are productive, both are efficient with their snaps. Um, Littleton really hasn't had a linebacker like Kwiatkowski next to him, but he did play alongside, you know, Taylor Rapp still managed to produce elite numbers last year. So 
I still think you can you can bank on Corey Littleton. I still have him as a top ten linebacker. Um, but like I said, I think he's one of. I think with both Kwiatkowski and Littleton, I think you can draft them both and almost potentially start them both. Um, I mean, they're both productive. Um, so I I have no problem with with the move, and I think he fits kind of the the Gruden mold of a of a football player. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be put in position to to produce and to make plays. There you go. Tell us, Jared, what do you got? Um. Littleton's a top five linebacker, has been top five linebacker last two years, and will continue to do so probably because he might even see the field more mm-hmm. at, you know, with Las Vegas. So, I mean, when you're talking 125 tackles one year, 134 the next, 90 solos, 80 solos, or 78 solos, same thing. Uh, nine tackles for loss, six tackles for loss. Um Four sacks, three and a half sacks, and then pass deflections. I mean, to have the nine and 13 pass deflections the last two years, you know, with three forced fumbles last year, uh, four fumble recoveries last year, he's a big play waiting to happen. And honestly, he never got any love until he went there. The crazy thing is Las Vegas got him for cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if you look really at it, I thought he was going to get $15 million, mm-hmm. and They got him for cheap. And they got him – and they got to be booming on this. Like, hey, we're going to sign you for a long-year deal instead of just, hey, we're in, you know, next year and the next two years. They got him for a couple years, and that dude is athletic. I mean, you look at the tape on this guy right here. He is all over it. You know, and then you got Nick Kwiatkowski. Once Nick Kwiatkowski got his shot, you know, it was awesome to watch in that aspect because yeah, he reminds me a ton of Joe Schober, mm-hmm. you know. uh if you look at the tape, they look very familiar. You know, in the clip we just showed, that reminds me a lot of Joe Show. He he's a ball guy, and once he came in for Dan Trevathan, who I love, Dan Trevathan, and yeah. you look at this, dude, you gotta love his tackle ability. He, yeah. He's a wrap up guy. You know, he, he wraps a- up like Joe Schober, but he you know he, he can make an interception too too. So I'm telling you, I, I'm with you. I think both are really good stashes uh, on a team that's gonna see the field a lot. Because you just don't – and the Raiders are tough, dude. This might be the toughest division of all football uh, and and has been for years. I mean, was it a couple years ago we had uh, Denver. Won the Super Bowl. Um, it was then... Denver, Oakland, and Kansas City. We're all right there in the – it came down to the last game and who's going to win the division. <clears throat> so, you know, 12 game, 13 game winners. And even even a 9-6 and six with Denver that year, that was a tough, tough year, man. I mean, they continue to play very well, and but this year now I think it's the Chargers as much as anybody. So I'm love. I love this division overall. I think you have really, really solid IT, IDP. Obviously, we talked an hour and a half on this, so and we could get we can go all day just because it's how it is. It's a really, really good group. Yeah, solid division. I, I'm with you. I think Nick Kwiatkowski is a guy that um, you watched him play last year. The end-of-season numbers aren't there, but if you extrapolate what he did as a starter out across the full season, I mean, he was a baller. I mean, he was getting sacks. He was getting pass deflections. We just showed a clip of him getting safety. I mean, he can diagnose the plays very well, um, you know, and it just comes down to those things where he just had bigger names in front of him, you know, guys who were getting paid in front of him. And when he got his shot, he shone bright as, you know, 
very bright. And now he's got a shot to go to a team that just moved to Vegas. That's uh, an ascending kind of team in general, um, you know, and the eyes are going to be on them. So there's not that the expectations are high necessarily, but people are going to be watching this Raiders team closely. And that makes me happy for a guy like Nick Kukowski, who I think is going to have a very good year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, move. Let's finish this out. Let's talk shortly about Jonathan Abram. Um, only appeared one game last year, got hurt pretty early on uh, playing free safety for the Raiders. I've I have him in my rankings. I'm trying to find him right now. I'm just gonna put this way because I can't find him exactly. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people. Um, I want to see him actually play a full game in the NFL. I want to see him do something besides make a tackle. You know, I want to see what he can really pull off. I'm looking right now at my redraft rankings. I have him at 14, and even as I'm saying that, I feel like that's too high uh, for mm-hmm. a guy who hasn't proven anything. Um, but quickly. If any of my dynasty nerds guys are listening, I'm looking at our consensus rankings right now, and somebody's got Jonathan Abram way too high because he's in our consensus top five right now ahead of guys like John Johnson and Jabril Peppers and Taylor Rapp. So if you're listening out there, whoever you are, drop him down just a, just a hair for me. But um, what do you guys think about the upside of this guy, especially with, you know, last year one of the things we liked about him coming in was there was nobody in front of him. Now you've got two guys in front of him who we just talked about, you know, that are very, very capable linebackers, does that hurt his ceiling? Um, we'll start with Mike, go to you, Jared, and then we'll bring Steve in and we'll close this down. We appreciate everybody for hanging with us. So, Yeah, I think I've got Abram right around 11. Um, again, might be a little too high, but, you know, I I like those, I guess, boomer bust injury guys. So, like, two safeties I'm, I'm targeting and I'm either going to live or die with these two guys is Keanu Neal and Abram. So I think if you're risk averse, I think those are two guys you might want to avoid, but uh, you know, I think he's, you could probably target him as a DB too, but yeah, now I'm, you know, it's the, the guys that are in front of him. Yeah. He didn't, you know, you had, who'd you have a linebacker last year in, in Oakland? You had to hear Whitehead. I think he had Brandon Marshall and I think he had Vontas perfect for a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was not a, a good group last year. Um, I, I still like his abilities. I think he's he can be a, a big hitter, but it's the the back end, the secondary is a lot to be desired. I mean, the the front seven has obviously has really improved, um, but it's the just the back end. And when you talk to Marius Randall, who really became an, an attitude problem in Cleveland last year. Um, I don't know. The the secondary outside of Abram is not really one I'm getting excited about. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jared? Okay, so I said in my rookie four and one last year, the reason he concerned me is because he when he comes down to hit, he he mm-hmm. does not lay off. And that's exactly what took him out of the yeah. season. Yep. And I, there, there's probably I'll be honest, if you want a games that I'll really want him in. It's against Kansas City because we're going to torch them and going to have to make plays. Uh, and knowing, you know, maybe in the Den game, but in the Chargers game, dude, the Chargers are going to dink and dunk and, and try to, you know, run the clock, I think, a little more than people think uh, with Eckler and what they have, you know, on their team. Unless Herbert decides to start throwing that cannon because that dude has a howitzer attached to him. So I am not on Jonathan Abram. 
because I'm worried about his aspect. And you're, you're sold on Keanu Neal. I'm sorry. Somebody who's been injured two years in a row, season and injuries, it's not a thing for me. No, I know. Abram, he's not, not going to be for That's not a concern for me. I mean, that's not a concern for me with Abram. I, I think that he lays off a little bit, and I think he, he plays his game like he's supposed to play, but I don't have him in my top ten at all. Yeah, fair. All right, well, we've just crested an hour and 32 minutes. Let's bring in our man, Steve. Steve, we good to bring you on? What's up? So uh, how'd we do? Any any notes or anything like that that we missed on or comments? No, everything was good. Uh, I just want to know what you guys would uh, sell Max Crosby for. Ooh, sell Max Crosby for. I mean, whatever I could get for him, probably. But I don't have him on any rosters. If I'm being completely honest, I'm kind of. I think it's to say that. Like you have a target or something. I'm in a target range. Let's hear it, Mike. You're wanting to sell him high. What What are you looking no, for? No, I mean, if Crosby? you can, if you can, I mean, if you can get an upgrade, obviously at, a, at an offensive position, if you're weak, um, I mean, could you? I I I don't know. I you know, honestly, I don't have a target. But I mean, if you can get. An, uh, a really good upgrade at a at a at an offensive position. Let's say Curtis um, Samuel. If you're good Curtis. at defensive line, um, like if you're stacked at defensive line and you were able to get some, I'm if you got Mass Crosby as like your fourth or fifth defensive lineman, and you know you're stacked at the position, use him to upgrade maybe an offensive position. That's just me. All right, let's just do some fun, just quick one-for-one one trades, and I'll just give Mike and then Jared yes or no. Would you trade Mike Cro or Max Crosby for Curtis Samuel? No. No? What about you, Jared? No? No. Not, right. even, not even thought about it. All right, what about Max Crosby for Dallas Goddard? Um, if it's Todd and Pretty, I would say Potentially. Potentially. Right. It would. I, I would talk. I would definitely talk about it. Yeah, if it's a tight end premium, yes. All right, let's do one more. Would you trade Max Crosby for Debo Samuel right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Ooh. All right. Well, there you have it. Some yeses, some nos. We had we had a good discussion today, guys. Mike, we really appreciate you coming on. It was an awesome show. Um, I really enjoyed your perspectives. I thought we all had some good banter. I love when we have disagreeing opinions on players. I I, I love that shit. That's like my favorite thing about fantasy. <laughs> you, you know, you know what's kind of you know what? if if I'm making a comparison, I I think the reaction to my opinion on Max Crosby, Jared, in if you've seen Office Space, I'm assuming you've seen Office Space. Yeah. Okay. The scene where. Lumberg is in with the Bobs, and the Bobs told Lumberg, um, we want uh, we want yeah. him as a manager. And when Lumberg goes, Oh, you yeah. know, I don't think so. And the reaction where they're just like oh. <laughs> the reaction to their them saying he's not manager material. I think that's kind of yeah. what what <laughs> you were the Bobs there, like <laughs> Excellent. I, I know. I know for our YouTube channel, if if Steve can find it, I know my face is like this. So I'm sure that he, if he can find it, that's going to be our our clip. Because I'm like, make that your profile pic. I was in awe. Like, yeah, I, I probably will. Because dude, I'm 
Peter Gims is not manager material. Low on him. Yeah, nope. I can understand well, selling high, but to be that low on him, different world to me. Yeah, well, let's um give him a shout out. We got you know follow Mike at Mike underscore Waller. Uh, he's got a good IDP fantasy football podcast. If you guys want to check that out, mic'd up. Um, follow me at Fifty Shades of Drunk. Jordan Reigns. Uh, Jared is at Jared Gray. Steve, our producer, our indispensable, our incredible guy behind the scenes at the Dynasty Chef. Um, you can also find us on the uh, Instagram, which we don't put a lot of stuff on there, but we are interactive on there a little bit. And yeah, we will be back next week, guys. This is the end of the AFC preview shows. We will be jumping into the NFC next week. Um, we will have on another guest who we will announce later this week. And IDP Army, we love you. We appreciate you, Mike. We appreciate you, too. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I'll hand it over to Jared. Send us off, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, as always. If you want an IDP Army shirt, let us know. We'll hook you up. Oh, let's go, let's go. In a wormhole, probably about to burn. In a white tunnel, are you ever going to learn? See a land, probably going to merge. Going to be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. Play your part, girl gon' turn. At heart, girl gon' learn.